Hey friends, producer Colleen here. Before we begin this week's episode, I have a plea. By now, Ruth's new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, has been out in the world for a few weeks, and it has been so fun to hear from people who are really resonating with this book. I just want to encourage anyone who's read and loved Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest to leave a review, either on Goodreads or Amazon or wherever you bought the book. These reviews really do go a long way in helping people discover books. From Ruth and all of us at the Transforming Center, we are forever grateful for the support you've shown during this book launch season. We've felt it and we appreciate it so much. And now, here's our show. Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm Ruth Haley Barton, your host, and in this season, we've been talking about my new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And uh, we're actually doing this long season on Sabbath, and then there's a sabbatical portion of the book, and we're going to pick that up next year in its own little season about sabbatical. So today, we are concluding the Sabbath portion of our conversations about this new book. And today I want to talk about how we can do something before we do everything. Because it can be kind of overwhelming when we've um, had as many conversations as we've had, so many ideas, so many different voices, raising questions, but also talking about their own practice. And the last thing I want is for any of us to end this season feeling overwhelmed. And so I want to encourage us in this final episode in the Sabbath season, I want to encourage each of us to do something before we do everything. So where do we begin with doing something before we do everything? Well, first of all, there are no emergencies with God, so you don't have to rush this process. And so I would encourage you to start by continuing to pay attention to your desire, the desires that have stirred while you have listened to this podcast season. Allow your your desire to deepen into a, a kind of intentionality where you say, I really need this. I really want this. I am going to do what it takes to craft a life. But don't push yourself too fast and too far. Continue to read beautiful writings like I did about the Sabbath and to let yourself dream about what Sabbath could look like for you. Stay in touch with your true desires for a Way of life that works. And then also keep saying true things to God. This whole book sets you up to keep saying true things to God, to listen to what your soul wants to say to God. And rather than allowing all the doubts and the naysayers to come rushing into your heart and into your mind, remember that the desire for a way of life that works and now perhaps even a desire for a Sabbath rhythm is a good desire that comes from God because God gave us the Sabbath and God wants us to have this goodness in our lives. So don't let the doubters and the naysayers and your own uh, mind come in and thwart what God is doing and what God is saying. Go down to the bottom of your desire and speak to God from that place. So that's the first thing. Continue to pay attention to your desire and say true things 
to God from that place. You don't have to rush. You can allow your desire to deepen until you can actually see a few steps forward for you in a Sabbath practice. The other thing I wanted to suggest is that you find a few people who are also interested in the Sabbath and who have desire for the Sabbath. It is such a wonderful thing, and I've even experienced it in this Sabbath season of the podcast. It's an amazing thing to talk to people who also believe that the Sabbath is a good gift, who also sense God inviting them into a Sabbath practice, who are also willing to experiment and to try some things in order to have this good gift that God has given. And because I think meaningful conversations about Sabbath are so important, I actually included a conversation guide for groups and spiritual friends in the back of the book on becoming a Sabbath community. And so maybe there are a few people in your community, or maybe it's just your spouse or a few people in your family or close friends, but you could begin by having a conversation that allows this desire to grow within all of you and enables you to have space to grapple with even the practical issues that face us as we think about Sabbath. Can you imagine how having people to actually talk to and say, I want to have a Sabbath practice, but I don't know how to do it for this reason or that reason or in this stage of my life. And if you are in a community that has multiple generations in it, then you can actually ask some of the older people in your community, how did you do it? How would you do it? How do you practice Sabbath? Or people who are struggling as you are, and you can brainstorm together about how you could maybe bring this beautiful gift into your lives. So think about having some meaningful conversations, not to convince each other of anything, but to actually talk about your desires and to brainstorm how you could walk into what God is inviting you to. Um, I give a lot of guidance for how to have these conversations because these conversations are meant to be spiritual conversations where you're not arguing with each other and you know challenging each other in a way that causes us to back away from what we want but instead you're seeking to listen to each other's desire and to interact with each other in ways that are spiritually fruitful So I'm encouraging more than just a discussion or a Bible study. I'm encouraging you to find some ways to settle into God's presence at the beginning of your times together. And that could be through prayer or shared silence or some Lexio Divina. Um, or even reading reflectively uh, um, some passages from this book or a poem or other related resources and to allow yourself to settle into that deep place where you sense God's invitation and you also sense hope and possibility. And that we listen to each other with our entire selves, again, not trying to argue with each other or convince each other of anything, but to listen to each other, share about our desires and what we're willing to try or what we have tried, what has worked, what hasn't worked, things like that. To let your Sabbath conversation be a space where you don't interrupt each other. You resist this tendency that often we have of formulating what we're going to say while somebody else is talking. We actually can pause between speakers so that the group members have a chance to absorb what's been said versus just, you know, reacting really quickly. To speak for ourselves, to be really bold and brave in speaking for ourselves about our own thoughts and feelings and desires. To ask each other really good questions that help us to wonder about things together. To truly respect where each person is at in their journey with God and in their listening to this invitation from God, and to be willing to hold your own desires and opinions and even your convictions lightly, to be willing to be influenced by other people in a conversation like this. 
and also to know that there's no pressure at all and to give each other freedom to say I pass if we don't feel like talking on a particular uh, day or in, on a particular in a particular conversation. We need to set up these conversations to be a particular kind of conversation, but I believe that God wants to meet us as we share these important uh, desires and thoughts with each other, our responses to the good gift that God wants to give to us all. I invite you to take time sharing your Sabbath stories and Sabbath experiences with each other. I invite you into scripture to really reflect on some of the scriptures that we've mentioned in the book and to see what they say to us in a fresh way, to settle into a place where you can talk about technology really openly. I mean, that's a tough subject, and everybody's got different opinions about technology. Everybody's got different experiences with technology. I'm sure that there's more than one level of addiction to technology represented in any given group, but could you have a, a conversation where you actually talk really openly about the impact of technology on your life right now and how hard it, it seems to think about unplugging, but also maybe that you feel drawn and that you want to try it? There's just so many things to talk about as it has to do with Sabbath. And so maybe set up a meaningful conversation with a few friends about the Sabbath where you share your desires back and forth with, with each other and also support each other in saying yes to God's invitations in your life. Again, under this idea of doing something before you do everything, you don't have to change your whole life right now. You don't have to figure out how you're going to do Sabbath for every week from here on out. What I would suggest is that you set a day out in the future, or maybe it's just a half a day. Maybe four hours is all that you and your family or you and your community can figure out for right now. But set a time, a day out in the future when you want to try keeping a Sabbath together. And I actually um, also include a Sabbath worksheet in the back of the book that could help you with the process of planning for your one Sabbath that you're going to try and have. And uh, the planning centers around several different things. It revolves around knowing what you're going to include in this day and what you're going to exclude in this day and say this doesn't belong here in this Sabbath day. So we've talked about the fact that Sabbath is created around the opportunity to rest, worship, and delight in God's good gifts to us. And so you can go ahead and the people who are going to do this together, you can go ahead and just give yourselves time to brainstorm what this could be like and to let everybody have a chance to participate in deciding how this day would be meaningful for them and how it would be enjoyable. In order to create the space for what you delight in and for what would be restful and what would be a different quality of presence with each other, then you'll also want to think about what you're not going to do on the Sabbath. Activities related to work, to buying and selling, anything that creates worry within you, how you're going to set technology aside if you've decided you're going to try that. You're going to have to let some things go in order to say yes to the deeper gifts that God wants to give on the Sabbath. And so don't change your whole life right now. Don't feel like you have to, but try it once and then see what happens. Because one of the things that I've discovered is that once I tried it once and I realized how beautiful that kind of a gift could be, then that became my touchstone. It became my motivation to want to continue finding a way to establish this rhythm in my life. Another thing that you can maybe think about is the fact that Advent is coming. And we know that Advent is um, offered to us in the four Sundays of Advent, and that is the journey where we wait on God and we wait for Jesus to come um, into our lives in ways that are meaningful. We wait for the light in the dark places of our lives. It's a season when we are more and more in touch with our longing and we inhabit our longings so that 
God can maybe lead us and how we might walk into our longings. So I wonder if there's any way to incorporate some Sabbath space or some Sabbath rhythm into our Advent journeys. Would it even be possible to think about Sabbath elements in the four Sundays of Advent where we would light a candle, where we would perhaps read the scriptures that are associated with that week to follow the lectionary? And we're going to... Um, be introducing us all to the Advent season soon. And so to know what those scriptures are and to actually even just simply read the scriptures that go along with Advent and to walk out that journey together, but to see those Sundays as being different than what you usually experience on those four Sundays of Advent. So it's even something to think about for the upcoming season. So friends, what we really want to say here is that we're just giving you the chance to try stuff. Just try something. There's no judgment here. God does not want us to be condemning ourselves. In fact, the scriptures say that there is no condemnation now in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation here, just a real invitation. And remember that even if you don't get it right on one Sunday and maybe you cheat a little bit by getting on email or working or trying to finish a project or you have a yelling match with your spouse or something like that, or you're impatient with your children, Sabbath is always coming and we get to try it again and we get to try it uh, incorporating what we've learned from what happened last time. So this is a journey. I would call this a Sabbath journey and we need to be really gentle and tender with ourselves and realize that this practice in particular may be the most challenging of all the spiritual practices. And so we're just going to try things and do something before we do everything. Now, as I say that, there is one more thing that we could pay attention to here at the end, and that is our resistance. Because, you know, through this season, we've worked really hard to make this a winsome invitation to make uh, this uh, a gift from God, because that's what it is. And yet still, some of us might be having that push-pull phenomenon where part of us wants to say yes, and the other part sort of shrinks back and says, that's not possible for me, or I don't want to do that, or I don't know why I would do that, or whatever. And so I think as we conclude, I want to pay attention to our resistance a little bit. Why, why would we resist a gift that is this good? And can we pay attention to what's going on inside? There is a quote in Jewish literature that says that more than Israel has kept Shabbat, Shabbat has kept Israel. And that is my testimony. I don't keep it perfectly well all the time, but I'm telling you, even my attempts at Sabbath have kept me. So I love that quote. More than Israel has kept Shabbat, Shabbat has kept Israel. So the question then is, what is keeping us from at least trying? Because the truth is, we're exhausted. We don't love living the way that we live when we're always on a performance treadmill. We're desperately seeking rest for our minds and our bodies and our souls. And it's humbling to admit that we just can't keep going and going and going and that we do get tired and that we do need to stop. And so as we come to the end of this season, I'm reminded of Isaiah 30, the verse that says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. I think if there's any verse in scripture that really captures this rhythm, it's right here in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Now, what's interesting about Isaiah 30 verse 15 
is that it's a great verse taken out of context, but it's an even better verse taken in context because the whole of the chapter actually describes the obstacles that we as human beings face in trying to say yes to this invitation. And in fact, God is addressing the children of Israel and he moves through a whole bunch of obstacles that they themselves are experiencing. And I don't know about you, but this verse always makes me wonder, so what is it that I need to be saved from? What is God really saying here? What does it actually mean? Turn to what? Save from what? How exactly does rest save us? So let's look for a moment at some of these obstacles and see if any of them resonate with us. So in Isaiah 30 verse 1, God talks to the people of Israel as people who carry out a plan but not mine. And I wonder when was the last time you made a plan or got involved in a plan because it represented something that you wanted or it made sense to you but you didn't even ask God about it. And then once you got involved in it, you realized that what you got involved in was actually keeping you from the life that you were longing to live. And are you willing to wonder what would need to change in my life in order to enter into this Sabbath rest that God is offering? Not just commanding, but that God is offering as a gift for our good. And we've talked a lot about communities and leadership. And I think even as leaders, we need to think one more time about the fact that we often keep adding church services and ministry initiatives. And we keep our pastors and our staff and our volunteers working seven days a week without really giving any thought to what the Sabbath might mean for us. It always seems strategic. It always seems like the right thing to do to add one more thing and to try to do a little bit more for other people. And yet sometimes those plans are plans that are our own ego-driven plans and they don't have anything to do with what God is actually calling us to. So God identifies a people who carry out a plan, but a plan that is not mine. So the plans that we're making and keeping, are they God's plans for us really? Um, Or are they just plans that come out of our own heads and our own performance-oriented drivenness. Then in that very same verse, God talks about people who make an alliance but against my will. So this phrase is talking about who and what we align ourselves with. And there are good holy alliances and sometimes there are unholy alliances. And we need to be really careful about who we align ourselves with and what kind of communities we align ourselves with, what kind of projects, what kind of partnerships where we're not free to practice Sabbath and to receive the gift of God. And it could be that what God brings to mind relative to this verse is that there's an alignment that we need to shed before it will be possible for us to enter into the Sabbath rest. And it could be that even in shedding that alliance that we have to come into a deeper place of trust in God and say, God, I trust that if I let go of this alliance, which is preventing me from resting as you're wanting me to rest, that you will provide, that you will be there for me and with me, and that you will show me the path forward. Um, I talk about one young leader who was very entrepreneurial and chose to align himself with a business venture that required him to be available 24-7, at least in the beginning. And it involved selling really hard and always being available for clients, always being on, available to anyone who was interested in the product. And saying yes to that opportunity, as lucrative as it was, actually robbed him and his family of the Sabbath pattern that they were longing for. It's just that simple. It was a job that required a level of availability that prevented Sabbath keeping. And so there was an alliance there that would need to be shed before Sabbath could really become a reality. 
The next one's really challenging, Isaiah 31, 2, where God calls the Israelites a people who set out to go down to Egypt to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt without asking for my counsel. And it goes on to say, the people that put our trust in oppression and deceit and rely on them. And so those verses go back to the history of Sabbath. Uh, they allude to the many, many times in which the Israelites gave into their fear that God's provision wouldn't be enough. And in fact, they had one particularly low moment when they were complaining against God and they said, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. So this particular obstacle actually has to do with wanting to go back to the old ways that we've learned how to trust and that are more familiar. Uh, And there will be these temptations on the Sabbath. When we have unplugged, when we have determined to rest ourselves in God, and then all of a sudden that voice comes back and that impetus comes back, oh, I've I've got to work. There's no way in the world I can afford to not work for a whole 24 hours. Everybody's, you know, gonna catch up with me or people are gonna bypass me or people are gonna think I'm a slacker. I have to go back to my old bondage. And that's really what this verse is referring to, that place of bondage and oppression. And there was a moment for the Israelites, more than one moment, where that bondage looked pretty good because at least it was familiar. And they were doubting whether or not God would really meet them in the wilderness, that God would really meet them in their resting. And so I think we all have these temptations. I've had those temptations to go back to my old ways on the Sabbath. And I've given in to temptation from time to time to try to, you know, get back on email and get out ahead of Monday or to try to get a paragraph written because I didn't get enough done during the week or to, you know, try to answer a few emails and stuff or to try to read a book that is something I've been trying to check off a list versus a book that would really minister to my soul. I've done that. And I realize that I'm only cheating myself when I do that because I take myself out of that resting place where God wants to really minister to my soul. So there will be temptations to go back to the old ways of doing and being, uh, and, and that can become an obstacle for us as well. And so when that happens, we don't judge, we don't condemn, but we just say, you know what, I've learned from that. Next time I'm gonna do it differently. And then just one more obstacle from Isaiah 30. God calls the Israelites people who say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. I find that one really challenging because this verse speaks to all the ways that we seek to avoid the hard work and the unsettling truths about the way we're living, the path that we're taking, and where it will eventually lead. Because the truth is, on the Sabbath, and I've experienced this many times as well, as we get quieter and as we say no to our addiction to work and achievement and relying on ourselves, that eventually God's voice often does speak to us or a word from scripture, or a word from a piece of spiritual writing that we're reading goes in and it penetrates very, very deeply. Um, But it challenges us as well. And on the Sabbath, sometimes God challenges the way that we're living. Um, But when we're resting, Isaiah 30 goes on to assure us that when we return and rest in God, we will hear a voice, the voice of our teacher saying, this is the way, walk in it. 
And so that's a gift of Sabbath to hear God's guiding voice to, to experience our shepherd leading us. But we need to get quiet enough to hear it. And then sometimes what we hear will challenge the way that we've been living our lives. But we can trust that God's going to meet us and that uh, whatever it is that God's guiding us to, whatever God is allowing us to know, that God will be the one who leads us in that place. So I'm really encouraging us at the end of this Sabbath episode or the Sabbath season to actually ask ourselves, what are the obstacles in my life right now? What is it that's causing me to resist? And again, without judgment, just to wonder, just to be curious, what is keeping me from saying yes to this great gift of God? Because what I've experienced and what you will experience too is that the Sabbath is a formational practice. It is a practice that changes us if we can find ways to enter in. And in fact, there are some lines from a Wendell Berry poem. You know, Wendell Berry writes a Sabbath poem every Sabbath, I think. So he has books and books of Sabbath poems. But this is one we read earlier on, but that the mind that comes to rest is tended in ways that it cannot intend. It's born, preserved, and comprehended by what it cannot comprehend. And to me, that puts Sabbath squarely in the category of a means of grace, that it's a way that we can open to the grace of God, God doing something in us and for us that we cannot do for ourselves. It's a form of sweet surrender in which we come back to God week by week. We return to this place of rest no matter how lost we have become, and we find that God comes and finds us in this rest and that God tends to us in ways that we could have never planned, that we could have never accomplished for ourselves. God tends to us. God replenishes us. God restores us so that we can return to the work that God has given to us in partnership with him. Well, friends, as we bring this season to a conclusion, I just wanted to mention to you one more time that Transforming Community 19 is starting in June of 2023. And we've had so many Transforming Community alumni share their experiences of Sabbath. And many of them experienced Sabbath rest and uh, saner rhythms through their experience in Transforming Community. And so if God is stirring you to want to be a part of a community that's living these things out in very intentional ways, we would love to have you apply and consider joining the next community that is going to journey together within these sacred rhythms. And now as we conclude our journey together, I wanted to spend a little moment with our podcast producer, Colleen Powell. She has done such a great job in this season of organizing so many guests and really putting these conversations together in a way that's really, really compelling. And since she and I have been sitting in the room together, talking and listening about Sabbath for all these weeks, I thought maybe she and I could conclude this season together and share with each other what our souls want to say to God at the end of this season. So Colleen, thank you so much for your tireless efforts on this season. I am so grateful because it was really a heavy lift to do all the organizing that you've done. And so you've sat and listened for a long time. You've read the book. You've had your own desires stirred. What does your soul want to say to God as we conclude this season together? Oh, gosh. Well, it's been such a joy to put this together. And I feel like I'm just seeing this theme of rest and Sabbath everywhere now. Mm -hmm. It's just this common thread. And yeah. so I'm excited that 
we have given people some some invitations to it this season and i think you know i i there were so many guests that really resonated with me and just really I'm going to think about for a long time. I think that technology piece, Mm -hmm. we talked about it so many times, but I I feel it. I'm looking at different ways to sort of incorporate that differently. Mm. But I think the thing that I have just keep coming back to for my own sense and my soul is this idea of bringing a different presence Mm -hmm. to my family on the Sabbath. This year, I ramped up some work and some other things Mm -hmm. that have made our lives feel really crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I just am really intrigued and just want to think about what would it look like to be more playful and more Mm -hmm. restful and more present Mm -hmm. on the Sabbath with my kids and with my husband and that they could notice like you are different Mm -hmm. on the Sabbath you're different on Sundays Mm -hmm. and so that has really been the invitation that I really feel drawn to mm-hmm. and just that I'm trying to figure out, you know, I mean, we're all still human, right? My yeah. kids are still human and I'm still human. And so I feel like there's lots of times on Sundays where I'm like, oh, you guys are driving mm-hmm. me crazy. Yeah. I want to go hide. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I just feel really challenged and, and drawn yeah. to that of what it would look like to be with my kids differently mm-hmm. on that day. Yeah. So that's, that's it. That's beautiful. The, Have you said that to God yet? Not yet. Not yet. Not yeah, yet. It's kind of scary to say to express yeah. your deepest desire to God, isn't it? Because yeah. it's almost like, well, then I have to make good on that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I think there's mm. some real, that's actually a really good place to start. I think yeah. I always kind of forget to start there. Yeah. I sort of work my way into it. And then I can be like, look, God, look what I did yes, for you. And yes. rather than than just sort of saying it yeah. and, and letting him do the work. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what my soul wants to say to God. What about you mm. at the end of the season? What does your soul yeah. want to say to God? Well, for one thing, I am thanking God for all the people that showed up for this season. I mean, I remember when you started making the asks and you said, let's just cast the net wide and see who says yes. And lo and behold, everybody said yes, except for one person who was going to be on sabbatical. So we excused him, you know, and then we've had even more guests than we even planned for. We've done some extra things. And I find myself, my heart just so full with this awareness that I'm not alone in loving this gift. I'm not alone in struggling to establish it in my life, that there are other people who are attempting this. There are other people who are sharing their thoughts and their passions. And to actually get to have those conversations with people who are also passionate and right there on the road has just filled my own heart with encouragement that I'm going to stay faithful to this message. I'm going to keep going because, you know, there are a few of us who are doing this together and it makes me want to stay in the conversation. That's the other thing that I feel is I just, I want to stay in this conversation with you and with, you know, the, the, even the guests that we've had on our, on our podcast and with the people that come to us in the Transforming Center. I want to deepen this conversation. I want Um, God to help us to go deeper with this invitation and to listen. So my heart is full of gratitude and also full of longing and desire to keep this conversation going with those of us who are serious about this and want to keep entering in and finding ways to enter in, no matter how difficult and complicated it feels. I mean, it does feel difficult and complicated, and I hope that we've been responsible in acknowledging how complex this is and how difficult it is and how challenging that we haven't been pie in the sky. But at the same time, I have a longing to keep working with it, to keep working with these complexities and see if some of us can't live together into this reality of Sabbath community. So so I feel very blessed. I'm thanking God, thanking you, Colleen, for doing such hard work in putting this together and praying that God will bless this work and 
that it will help us all to become the people that God wants us to be. Yeah, I love that. So friends, don't forget that what we've been doing in this season is we've been asking you as our listeners to also listen for what your soul wants to say to God and to not rush on, but to give yourselves a few minutes to say that true thing that your soul needs to say to God. And to support and to help you in doing that, let me just close with a part of this poem that I included um, just to see if it can't get you going and get your heart stirred with something true that you'd like to say to God as we conclude this season. There have to be times when you light a candle and find that tender place inside you that loves or sorrows or sings and you pray from that place. Times when you let yourself feel, when you allow the tears to come rather than blinking them back because you don't have time to cry. There have to be times to sink into the soft body of yourself and love what you love simply because love itself is a grace. Times when you sit with gratitude for the good gifts of God in your life that get lost and forgotten in the rush of things. Times to celebrate and play, to roll down hills, to splash in water or make leaf piles, to spread paint on paper or walls or each other. There have to be times to sit and wait for the fullness of God that replenishes body, mind, and soul, if you can even stand to be so full. There has to be time for the fullness of time, or time is meaningless.